I would encourage you to remain in that space of asking Holy Spirit to search you out. Make that part of your your daily time in prayer with Him. To search you out. It's such a such a sweet space to be in with Him. And at the same time, it, it can it can feel convicting, but we just have to remember that it's it's for our own good. It's it's out of love that uh, he would point to things and and show us what it is that he's wanting to to bring out in those times where we're asking him to search us to really rely on on his wisdom and not our own. That's got to be part of, of the foundation of what we're doing. And in this, this foundation series, uh, I think it's, it's fitting to really pull that out and say, Holy Spirit, where am I, where am I stepping outside of what it is that you have for me? Where am I stepping outside of your wisdom? And it's, it's been an interesting week preparing for this. And, uh, I was having a conversation with Angie this week and talking about how in preparing for this, I'm starting to see the foundation that we're building through this series starting to, to thicken up, right? Both in, in consistency and depth. And, and I sincerely hope that, uh, that this is, this is the same thing for you, that you're, you're starting to, to see this and see the things that are discussed here and, and being able to take them into your conversations uh, that you're having with Holy Spirit and, and with each other. It really is an important thing to be able to to carry that out of here. This isn't meant to be like a, a, a one-and-done thing where you hear this message and it's like, okay, got it. I don't have to come back to it. That's, that's not what this is. We have to continue to allow uh, the foundation to solidify. And, and that's, that's only going to happen if you're willing to take what you hear out of this place and into your lives. Uh, we've talked about the sanctuary. Uh, it, it's not a place where uh, we as new creations should ever leave. It, it's not It's not a place that you should ever imagine yourself outside of. This, this should be a place of continual rest for us. A place where we remain on the altar as a living sacrifice, always. I just have to say that I love the windows open right here because that breeze is really good. It's hot in here. So, uh, I would encourage you to, to ask questions, you know, first with Holy Spirit and then, uh, with all of us, uh, anything that comes up. So I want to go through a recap like I do every week. Why do we do that? Why do we go through a recap every week? Refresher? Remember, right? I, I'm constantly saying I want you to remember these things. So we're going to go through this every single week until the end of the year. Is that how long this is going to go? All right, where do we start? What was the first thing we started off in the, in the foundation series? Man, you're all over it. Cornerstone, yes. Talk about Jesus as the chief cornerstone, the starting place for everything, right? The one who has placed the everlasting kingdom where? In your hands. He's the one who's placed the everlasting kingdom in your hands. And second, we went on to camp life. Uh, we talked about 
life in the wilderness. Uh, we focused in on those rebellions recorded in the book of Numbers and how these rebellions hold up a mirror for us to see our own rebellions. And then, uh, you know, ultimately coming to see uh, that it's imperative for us to remember what God has done for us, right? Who he's shown up for us as, as to, to stay focused on the mission he's given us and to be reliant on him for everything. We looked at the tabernacle. Excuse me. So this we need some water, please. Thank you. God wanted to dwell with his people, so he made a way for that to be a reality through the tabernacle. And we discussed how that was just the beginning. And um and that God through Jesus made a way for us to become the dwelling place of God's Spirit. And, and we're gonna get more into that today. Uh, and through belief in Jesus, we become the tabernacle, the dwelling place of the Spirit of the Most High God. We looked at the priestly anointing. This is also going to come back into play today. Christ's priesthood uh, created a new class of royal priests. Whereas the, the whole nation of Israel was called a royal priesthood in Exodus 19.6, now in Christ's new covenant, the title royal priesthood is reapplied to the church. Oh, that's even better. Thank you. It's reapplied to the church and it's reapplied to each of us. And so this means that all the sons of glory can serve as priests. And in Christ, the church becomes a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Then we looked at servant and son. We walked through a couple of chapters in Isaiah looking at the servant of the Lord, Jesus. How he showed up to serve, not to be served, and how he did so as a son. His act of service, you know, it allowed us to be brought into the family and into sonship, which means that uh, no matter what the mission uh, is that, that God's called you to, you are there to serve, right? We, we show up to serve, and we're doing so in the authority and power uh, of being a son of the Most High God. Then we looked at the altar and offering, right? We looked primarily at Hebrews 9 to be able to understand what Jesus did as the ultimate and final offering that atoned for our sins. And it made way for us to enter into uh, the presence of God without fear. Then Angie talked about praise and, and defining praise and to do so we have to be after the heart of God. Uh, like David being called one after God's own heart is a mark on those who make their life a life of praise. And we look specifically at Judah and, and what his name was and um, Leah? Leah, uh, when Judah was born, said, this time I will praise the Lord. She'd gone through a difficult time, uh, a difficult life, and and she was at a point where it was just, I'm going to give it all up and I'm going to praise the Lord. And so she called his name Judah. And, uh, and we know that that was when she ceased bearing children. And there were, were some of the, the big questions that she, that Angie offered that day, I, I think are worth mentioning each and every week. Uh, what choice will I make in the middle of opposition? This is, this is a huge and profound question. What choice are you going to make in the middle of opposition? 
Will I praise or will I shrink back? These are, these are the options that you have. Are you going to continue to praise God in the middle of opposition? Or are you going to shrink back and allow whatever that opposition is to, to take hold? Then there was, uh, what am I doing with my praise? Where am I placing worth? Again, more important questions. We're always worshiping, we're always praising. What is that thing that you are ascribing worth to? Questions that, that likely should be asked each and every day. And as you talked about worship and, and in that discussion on worship, we started in Isaiah 6 looking at the, the idea that we must uh, exalt God to the point where we become small. Basically, next to the fullness, fullness and holiness of God, we should feel small. Uh, then came uh, what some of us uh, thought might have been a quick trick question. Uh, can you measure the standard of worship uh, by feeling God? Right. If we based our level of worship in anything by feeling God, we're going to be let down. I think we can all agree on that. Because our feelings, they will lie to us. and They will let us down. But we know worship isn't about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. It has to be all about God. But you got to do defining worship and doing so as a sacrifice, which is difficult for a lot of us to hear that our worship is a sacrifice. And what Angie brought out, remembering uh, that a sacrifice is, is the burning of flesh, right? It's not going to feel good. If we allow ourselves to, to sit in that space, it, it will cause us to ask Holy Spirit uh, the questions that, that we believe are difficult. He's actually uh, uh, longing to engage us in, wanting us to ask the difficult questions because he knows there's growth there. Again, some, some tremendous and challenging questions are offered up. And, and the first one being, what am I demanding of myself first? It's an interesting question when you go back and you start to engage with it, when you start to ask it. And then going on to, is my source of what Jesus is doing coming from today or the past? If we're, if we're living out of old wineskins, we're going to miss what it is that he's doing for us today, how he's showing up right now. We have to be able to step out of that and into where he's taking us. Another one of the questions, am I up for great sacrifice? Am I up to uh, be a continually living sacrifice? That's a legitimate question. Are you willing to live up to that standard each and every day of being able to lay yourself in the altar? God wants a pure and spotless sacrifice. And one of the last questions that Andrew gave us that day was, am I going to give him what he's worthy of. Are you willing to, to sacrifice everything of yourself to give him the very best? So last week we talked about prayer. I wanted us to see the power of, of oneness, of corporate prayer, and to walk with a, a sense that as a church we are one and should be coming uh, together to lift up Jesus as one, to lift up our prayers uh, that seek to mobilize and advance the kingdom and the body of Christ and, and really setting aside self and all of our fleshly personal motives. 
one of the big things that uh, I, was, I was bringing out of that is, is the basis of a person's approach to God in prayer is never simply uh, man's search for God, our own our own search for God, but it was it was God's gracious initiative. It was what He brought out, the establishing of covenant with us, and the promise of help and deliverance on the basis of that covenant. So it's it's our ability to come before God on the basis of the covenant that He made that gives us salvation, that gives us deliverance, that gives us the the uh, all access pass to be able to come before Him. Prayer can't always be about self, you know. Over and over, Jesus was was talking to the Father about oneness when we looked at John 17. That we would have the same oneness as the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what He wanted for us. We have to be selfless, not selfish. In our prayers of oneness, we're doing away with, with self and turning our attention and passion toward oneness. God knows and will take care of our individual needs. Jesus said so. So really, that should settle the matter in us. Does it always? No. But those are opportunities for us to, to come to that. If your soul is is still bearing uh, the burden uh, of that, even after bringing petition to the Holy Spirit, you have to take a look at what we believe. We really have to ask ourselves, what is it that we believe if we're still bearing the burden of, of needs after bringing it to Jesus? If he said that he's going to take care of all those things. We also talked about if you want to focus on self, focus on putting yourself on the altar as a living sacrifice. Focus on, on praying about what it looks like for you to show up in the fullness of who God has, has made you to be. Uh, show up in the fullness of, of Christ and the anointing that you carry. Not just the gifts. Focus on not taking the, uh, the chicken exit whenever God asks you to do something or he tells you to say something. When he shows you doing something or say something, be obedient. Exactly what Andrew was just talking about a few minutes ago. Apart from that, we're to share all things in common. We've been talking about that all year. We are our one body, the bride of Christ, the church, so it's time we start praying like it. We are one body, the bride of Christ, the church, and it's time we start praying. It's time we pray like we are in oneness and we actually believe it. It's time that we focus on oneness. We all have Christ in us, but moreover, we are all in Christ. It's that, that picture of, you know, you, you've got the little uh, shot glass of water and you can look at that as this is Christ in me. If I take that and I drop it into a bigger glass of water, that's me in Christ. It takes it takes all of us and envelops all of us when we look at ourselves in Christ and know that we are all there together. So today marks where we are uh, getting into kind of a series within the series, uh, talking about the, the seven spirits of God. And um, we're going to talk about that until the end of the year with our one break on Christmas Eve. Uh, so Today, what I really want for you is to be able to walk out of here with questions. That's what I want. I, I hope to be somewhat ambiguous enough to 
uh, evoke some questions in you or to say something that makes you kind of do one of those uh, where the dog tilts his head and he's not quite sure what you're doing. One of those. Uh, because there has to be ongoing dialogue that is happening throughout the week. If there isn't, we're missing out on something. Again, this, this ongoing dialogue is with Holy Spirit and with one another. There, there isn't one person that has all the answers outside of Holy Spirit, obviously. Uh, if there isn't uh, uh, this ongoing dialogue, if then none of us are, are, are doing our job in searching out the matters that God has hidden. Y'all remember Proverbs 25 too. It's the glory of God to conceal things and the glory of kings to search it out. That's us. We may or may not answer some of the questions you have in, in future weeks. Uh, don't assume that that will happen. Don't assume that all your questions are going to be answered. I want you all questioning things, not to undermine anyone, not to undermine faith, none of that. Uh, rather, but push you more into Jesus and, and, and more and more into that relationship and having conversations on your own with Holy Spirit, getting answers to your questions, bringing those questions back, talking with one another, and, and seeing what the answers are that you bring. This is part of sharpening. This is part of sharing everything in common together. So you'll need to, to formulate your questions and then sit with God, waiting for his complete answer. Sit long enough, wait for the whole answer. Sit down and listen until he's done talking. We would stress that over and over, uh, but we will continue to do so. We can't run away after the first sentence and, and think that we have a complete picture. Or think that we have uh, uh, the fullness of the revelation that he's wanting to provide for us. You can't just stop short at what he says first. All right. Let me turn to Isaiah 11. Verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is what we're talking about over the next, well, really for the rest of the year. In, in that first verse there, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Everybody know who Jesse is? David's dad, right? So Jesse had a bunch of sons, and, uh, oh man, I'm just blanking out this morning. I'm tired. Who was it that came? Samuel. Samuel. Goodness. Why are we both forgetting the same person? Wow. Wow. Interesting. What's that all about? Samuel came to Jesse because he knew he was supposed to appoint or, or uh, anoint a, a king from his household. And Jesse brought all his sons before Samuel and one by one he said, nope, not it. Not it, not it, next, next, next. Until so he's like, do you have any book, any other sons? Like, he's got, surely there's another one. Like, oh, I forgot about David. He's out in the field with the sheep. And so he brings him in and, uh, 
David is the one that's anointed to be king. And when we read this, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. So what is that? What, what is what is the imagery of a stump mean to you? Tree, cut down, right? So what, what do we see in that? If we're looking at David's line as king, we, we can see that that's cut off. But eventually, there's going to be a shoot that comes up from that stump or a branch from the roots, which is really a strange picture as well to think about a branch of a tree coming up out of a root. But the, the, the root is where the source of life comes from for the tree. And so to see a branch come up out of that should, should make you start thinking about, okay, who are we talking about here? Well, you know, it's kind of obvious. We've talked about it before. Who is it? Who is this, this shoot that's coming up out of the stump or, or a, a branch from the roots? Very good. Jesus. The Sunday school answer. She does. Bible trivia is working. Well done. She is not going to lose next time. She is she's ready to go. <laughs> so th- those are the things when you, when you read this, you got to start asking these questions. What does this imagery mean? What, what is this talking about? Why is it talking about a stump? And, and we're talking about Jesse. We're just, we're, we're just going back. We have to start looking at what all this is pointing towards. And so then in verse 2, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The same branch that's coming up out of the roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. This individual from the line of David will experience God's uh, abundant blessing on his life. Israelite history, it it causes us to expect that God will, uh, that God would give his chosen kings a special measure of his spirit uh, so that the king will will follow God's ways. That's what we're expecting here. And, and so this is kind of what you're looking at here. And, and I want us to keep that in mind uh, as we, we get down into this uh, uh, later here. And and we start coming back to that priestly anointing that I talked about a few minutes ago. So as the Spirit of God rested on uh, his servant David in the past, so the divine spirit will... Uh, dwell or rest on on this new branch, enabling God to use him in a special way. You can see where this is starting to get set up. And you can see that it's really more and more, it, it points at Jesus. And so this, this sevenfold uh, really elaboration of, of the anointing of uh, the Messianic King that we see in verse 2, it, it begins with the Spirit of the Lord. And this denotes that the Spirit uh, himself uh, is divine and also as the one whose uh, resting effects, uh, the dwelling of the Lord himself, uh, is his king. Yahweh's Spirit will bless uh, the new king from David's family in a special way. 
the Hebrew word, and you're going to have to forgive me here, this, this goes somewhere. And, and this is the part where I like to geek out on. The Hebrew word translated spirit can also mean breath or sometimes wind. Right? So here the Hebrew word refers to the power of God given to equip a person with special gifts. Right? The divine spirit, uh, uh, power or gift will rest upon this person. And so that Hebrew verb for rest upon, which is nuach, sounds like the word for spirit, ruach, and has probably been used deliberately for that reason. Uh, but it can be difficult uh, to speak of a spirit resting upon uh, someone when we consider the audience's language, when we consider that who was the target audience for what was being said here. So it'd be good to be provided with, with some kind of alternative for us, right? The Spirit of the Lord will give him these things that we, that are listed in verse 2 there. All right, so this also highlights the role of the Spirit in, in various activities, uh, which uh, is not the case with, with what we would think of the, the static verb of just resting, right? The Hebrew verb for rest upon, it really contains the idea of, of settling down. Right, and, and doing so permanently. So uh, this line could be read as as the Spirit of the Lord is constantly with him. This is what we have to start thinking about when we think about the, this resting upon. In this, excuse me, in this case, it's talking about the Spirit of the Lord is constantly with him. So I suppose I could apologize for going off into a little grammar lesson, but I won't. It's necessary. It's really necessary when you start to ask questions and examine uh, what you're reading more closely, which I hope you are. And I'm just kind of making the assumption that that is happening. So what we're reading here is is the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon Jesus uh, because that is is who we're talking about. Uh, but the resting upon Him will be permanent. It is permanent. And not only is this going to be permanent, there are the specific attributes that go along with the Spirit of the Lord rested upon you. And those are the attributes that uh, we will really dive into in the coming weeks. So, But I, I want you to take note of the language when it says the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. There was no concept of the Spirit of the Lord indwelling someone when we're looking at the Old Testament. That just wasn't the case. What we see in the Old Testament is that the Holy Spirit would rest on a specific person to give them what was needed in that moment. Uh, they were to act or speak whatever it was that God had for them to do. It's a much different concept than we know today. In the New Covenant, we have the Spirit permanently, right? This is why it's important to start looking at these things and understanding what was happening with Jesus and how it is applied to us. Something else that, that I want you to, to catch is the, the freedom aspect in all of this. It's extremely important to, to really catch hold of this. Jesus came to do many things, and in all of those, it is wrapped up freedom from sin and death. Turn to Luke 4 now. 
Luke 4. We are going to start at verse 16. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And then they went on to say, yeah, this is Joseph's son. And we know his, his brothers and sisters, but I, I should have had you hold your place in Isaiah. We're going to go back to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61, verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he stopped. He stopped right there. Went into verse 2 and stopped at Proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Because the second part of that verse says, and the day of vengeance of our God. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. How did he stop there? Jesus stopped right after reading that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, but he didn't continue to proclaim the day of vengeance of the Lord. Why stop there? Think about the royal priesthood. The two aspects of that, royal, king, and priest, right? The priest coming, the high priest coming to, to make atonement for sin. Once and for all, Jesus says the, the great high priest did that for us. So that's where he stopped at. Because it wasn't the time to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Because that's coming. The day of vengeance is coming. And that second coming, when he comes back as king, this is what's going to happen. This is the point where uh, um, things are set right. So this is the priestly part of the royal priesthood. And we're going to see that, that kingly portion that in the second coming when we see that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, that he's the Christ the Messiah. 
It's a day of setting everything in order where, where the justice of the kingdom will be measured out. Not justice as we want to define it, but justice as God defines it in his kingdom. So it's important to catch these things. This is, the spirit of the Lord is upon them. Jesus is proclaiming this. He's telling them that this is fulfilled. What was written in Isaiah was fulfilled as they were sitting there, listening. That's got to be pretty incredible. And I, I know that everybody hearing this was, was not dumb. They understood the implications of what he was saying when he proclaimed this. When he said, this has been fulfilled in your hearing today. He's proclaiming liberty to the captives and opening the prison to those who are bound. Freedom. He's proclaiming freedom. You can write this down or you can turn to it. I'm going to read it though. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus came with the Spirit of the Lord resting upon him. Remember, Yahweh's power will come upon him, giving him all of those things listed in Isaiah 11.2. Upon him will come Yahweh's Spirit permanently. The Spirit that gives him all of those things listed in Isaiah 11 too. He came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Favor that's extended over us. Jesus came to set us free from all of the things that would keep us from him. There, there was to be no separation between us and God. No sense of distance. The distance and the separation that they felt under the old covenant is gone now. We should be able to come to the Father at any time. Because there is no distance or separation. This is part of the freedom that we can grab hold of. The access that is in our hands every moment of every day. If only we would use it on a daily basis. If only we will seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Freedom would actually start to feel like something in our lives. Because of what Jesus did for us, we, we what he did in our place, we have the permanent indwelling of the Spirit of the Lord. We have access to these attributes of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. When was the last time you put your all-access badge around your neck and used it as intended? When was the last time you went into the throne room and had an honest conversation with God? You have access to freedom. Are you willing to be completely free and take on the responsibility 
that's inherent in freedom. And, and make no mistake, stepping out uh, in, in freedom does come with a level of responsibility. The, the sons of God, that's, that's all of us who have put our belief in Jesus. We are the ones that have put, been put in, in, in ambassadorial uh, positions that come with responsibilities. But again, the, the Spirit of the Lord is permanently with us. And I'm belaboring this point because I want it to sink in. The repetition over and over again helps that to sink in. It's like when you see repetition in scripture, you should, you should take note of it. If the foundation we're building is going to fully solidify, we must believe this point. We have to take hold of it. The Spirit of the Lord is permanently with us and bringing with him those same attributes that were brought with Christ. If those qualities were expected to rest permanently upon the kings of the Davidic line, we can't forget that what we talked about and discussed in the priestly anointing applies here. Remember 1 Peter 2.9 said, But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We were brought into the family, the chosen race, a royal priesthood. If you haven't picked up on it, again, I say we can't forget a lot. I say that a lot. We can't forget these things. Why? Because remembering keeps what you believe at the front of your mind. It has to be at the front of your mind. This is significant because it bolsters your faith at the same time. It's your faith that helps you put one foot in front of the other as you step out into what God is calling you. Whatever it is he's calling you to, it's your faith that's going to help you take one foot and put it in front of the other and keep moving. And that stepping out, it, it may look like from our eyes that we're stepping into un the unknown. We don't know what is coming next. We're saying yes, but we're, we don't have all the answers. But we're taking steps in faith. And it looks like that, that this is, is from all uh, uh, things that we can see, looks like the unknown. But remember that it isn't unknown to God. What he's calling you into, he has made a way for and gone before us. And he's there. With that, there isn't unknown to the Spirit of the Lord. And, and stepping out into what we think is the unknown. It's not unknown to God. Therefore, it's not unknown to the Spirit of the Lord. And where is the Spirit of the Lord? Yes. Residing inside of you. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes. Jason up there. I heard it. I heard the song. That too. So are you choosing to trust in the Spirit of the Lord that brings freedom? That's a, that's a question you have to ask yourself. 
And you have to have an honest conversation to say, am I trusting the Spirit of the Lord to bring freedom? It has to be part of the conversation that we're taking into our time with Holy Spirit each and every day. Am I trusting you, God? Am I trusting you in what it is that you're telling me? Am I trusting you in what it is that you're providing for me right now? Am I trusting that you will provide for the needs that I know are coming? It has to be part of the conversation. And and I would encourage you to ask this question each and every day. It's going to help you to remember all of the things that you need to remember. How God has shown up for me. Who he's shown up as. What he's done for me. What he's done in my place. We have been charged with each and every week offering the opportunity for salvation. And so that, that's an important question there too. Are you choosing to trust in the Spirit of the Lord who brings freedom? And, and I, I don't know where everybody's at in here, but if there's anyone here that hasn't placed their belief in Jesus as the one who has brought freedom to us, I would invite you right now to make that decision. And again, maybe this isn't for anyone here. Maybe that's for uh, people we know that are coming who are uh, have been prophetically seen as lined up down chapter 4. If that is you, and in your heart you are choosing to believe, make that announcement to somebody before you leave today. Belief is you taking hold of the kingdom and choosing freedom. That, that's the only part we play is belief. Everything else has been done for us. That's good news. Will the life be easy? No. There's opposition. There's responsibility and freedom. But there's also the spirit of the Lord in God. Father, I thank you that you made the covenant. You made the way for us to, to be able to come before you to boldly come into your presence. That in this new covenant, we are made the dwelling place of your spirit. That we're able to to ask the questions that feel difficult to us, but you're inviting. I thank you that you've given us the gift of oneness. Where we can 
and come and find strength in each other. Where we can have conversations about you. And be encouraged and be strengthened and be sharpened. Regardless of how difficult that may feel at times, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you that you made a way for all of this to happen, that you came as the great high priest and sacrificed yourself to make a once and final atonement for us. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.